everybody. I'm Peter and I'm just full of fun facts. He's Mike and I almost feel bad about blowing him up. Mm. Our guest today is a costume A cosplayer and she does a mean Hera. It's really cool. You should check that out. Uh, she's the creator of Poetry and Costume and she's all the way from London. Let's give it up for Zena Duncan. Hey, how you doing? Hi. How you doing? Good. <laughs> Did I say costume, right? Kind of, maybe. Oh, no. I'm very unsophisticated. <laughs> wow, Peter. Um, you're really starting us off great. Together, we are Rebels Rebels. This is the podcast where we explore the Star Wars expanded universe through an episode-by-episode episode deep dive of the animated series Star Wars Rebels. So before we get started, uh, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review on iTunes. I should probably know how to say the word podcast. <laughs> um, it helps. <laughs> you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those crappy social media sites by searching Rebels Rebels Pod. I probably also shouldn't make fun of social media. <laughs> or email the email at rebelsrebelspod at gmail.com. Very self-deprecating. <laughs> all right, Mike, you ready? Yes. Zena, you ready? Ready. Cool. This episode, Season 1, Episode 7, Empire Day, while disrupting the Empire Day festivities in order to destroy a prototype TIE fighter, the crew learns a refugee has important information and must get him off planet before the Imperials find him. Yeah. Great. And that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first setting, um, it's Empire Day on Lothal. The mm -hmm. first shot, we see this very cool-looking ship. Um, yeah. I couldn't figure out what it was. I tried really hard to figure out what kind of ship that was, and I could not figure it out. It's very Star Trek, um, which might be why I like it. <laughs> I, uh, I, go, I, I go both ways. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Purely Star Wars. Shame. We get to a little training montage. Sabine's kind of looking listfully, just checking out the planes with Kanan and Ezra. And a little bit of a loath cat. Does anyone here have opinions on loath cats? Yeah, they're the greatest addition to the Star Trek, Star Wars canon. Oh. Game of franchise and oh. oh, I got you. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I love them too. I thought they were real. I thought, I mean, they popped up already once before. Mm -hmm. I'm allergic to cats, and I love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about getting a loath cat tattoo. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I've already got one, so oh. ahead of you. Oh, man. But <laughs> That's sick. I really like Lothcats, the way that they've been playing with them with Ezra and his animal connection. Yeah. And the wider connection of Lothal through Ezra to other things. Yeah. Yeah, which is funny, and I'm sure I know one of us is going to bring up, so I'm going to jump in and say it. I think it's really interesting and um, that, like, you know, in the past, Jedi's were told that, you know, connections and relationships and being overly emotional was a, not a good thing. And that was before Order 66 and kind of the fall of the Jedi. And it, I think it's actually narratively consistent that the scene, the force seems to be moving away from like that kind of legalism and into this more like emotive place where connections and, you know, human interaction and interaction with other force sensitive beings is 
like promoted like even old ben is like you know stretch out with your feelings and for a long time i'm like that doesn't make sense because in the prequels they say don't use your feelings but it seems like there's a progression yeah it's almost like a more holistic approach to the mm. force mm-hmm. than what the yeah. Jedi was, you know they're literally in like an ivory tower um <laughs> and then we've got ezra and Kanan, who are, you know, literally on the ground at this point, and they're exploring this connection with other beings and with with nature. So essentially, yeah. they're exploring connection with the force itself. So yeah, it's more, it feels more inclusive, more holistic, it feels healthier, mm-hmm. to be honest. And then taking into account Kanan's life up till this point, it totally makes sense that they're going down this other path, this sort of parallel force path yeah yeah it's like not that. ignoring everything so far yeah my my contribution to this is a little less heady but i just think it's fun Maybe. that they just put loth before <laughs> animals like what if like yeah. became a galactic <laughs> thing and everyone was just like oh that's a earth dog earth that's an earth cat well earth I love it. it kind of makes me think of um avatar the last airbender uh, where they've yeah. got like Tasks bears, and then you know they've got a bear. Yeah, that one that. time it was just a bear, and they're like, <laughs> "But what kind of bear is it? It's, like, it's just a bear." Well, they don't call them Lothal cats, so maybe like if it was on Earth, it would be like a Ur cat. Oh, I love that. I'm gonna start calling all animals Earth Ur or whatever. Yeah, check that Ur B. So that's my contribution. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Uh, so then next we're going to Old Joe's Pit Stop. Oh, I love this old place is up. cool. Um, so it's a bar outside of town where we've been before. Yep, bunch of Tie pilots just park their Tie fighters outside, which <laughs> seems a little odd. Like I don't know why, like a bunch of fighters, like they're just like kind of cruising and they just park them outside of a bar. But whatever, uh, they come in, they're messing around, they're looking for a Rodian, and Ezra sees the picture of who they're looking for, and he knows them. <laughs> Nothing. He's not the one. <laughs> um, and old Joe, I thought this was really cool. You could really tell um, he's an Ithorian, which I always get confused with Aqualesh. But so this is the Hammerhead, um, and his physio- physiology is not able to speak basic. So he has mm, like these that's things. That's what those translators. Are. Yeah, that translator that like, goes in his mouth and wraps around his head. It's kind of a cool tech. Two mouths on either side of their head. Yep. Is that them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so <laughs> nailed they, it. <laughs> yeah. So he has this weird cool translator thing so that he can speak basic, but naturally his species can't. I thought that was That sounds cool. really invasive. I don't think I'd want a tube in my mouth all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of invasive tech in this episode. We'll get to that a little later. Huh. Yeah. And that's a tease. <laughs> that's what I call a tease. <laughs> I, I feel like that one shot when they're in the bar or the, uh, the, are those, are those special force stormtroopers or are those just tie pilots? Those I think are, it's just tie pilots. Just tie pilots. Okay. Got it. When the tie pilots are like walking through the bar and they walk right by Zeb and, and Hera and they're sitting in that booth. That is such a referential shot of, Han and Chewie sitting at the table at the cantina when the stormtroopers walk by. Oh, yeah. Like it's it's almost one yeah. for one, and I I totally. thought it was, I think that's really cool. I like that they did that. The amazing lighting, they look. Yeah, it's really cool. But also, mm-hmm. it's like 
least suspicious. You know, it's like, could you look any more suspicious, <laughs> you guys, with your seriously attic lighting, watching everything? It's like really <laughs> sly guys. Yeah, it's very Aragon in the corner. <laughs> um, I also, <laughs> I also like that you can very, very clear, who, clearly see who are the bully stormtroopers and who are like the dopey stormtroopers. <laughs> Cause most stormtroopers are like, Hey, look over there. I don't know what's going on. But then like, there's mean ones that like push over glasses. Like I'm looking for this guy. And he has like a deep gruffly voice. <laughs> That's how they split him up. Evidently like, Oh, your voice is lower. You can go into the mean troops. Here's your black helmet. That's literally how it goes. Yeah. yeah. The voice, the Imperial voice test. Yeah. So the mean guy goes up to Joe and is like, why aren't you playing the Holonet? Oh, it's man. law. And so they turn on the Galactic the Muse. Imperial Holonet broadcast play here at all times. No one's requested it for, well, ever. It's the law. Because today is Empire Day, celebrating the 15th anniversary of the galaxy. Which is pretty cool. I found some interesting stuff in here. Um, so we'll talk We'll talk about this a little bit later, but notice here that you can kind of see Palpatine on the news. Yeah. And he's young uh-huh. and vibrant looking. Uh, and that's the scene from Sith where he's making like, we're now the Empire. And in the movie, he's all gnarled and scarred. So they digitally alter him to make him look yeah. like he's not messed up. It's propaganda stuff, very, which is, I thought was interesting. Very yeah. Young um, I also saw like they have a news ticker at the bottom and you can translate the Arabesh on there. Oh my God. Did you do it? Cause I did it too. And it took me so long and it wasn't worth it. Yeah. So evidently it's a news story <laughs> that tells the story of a farm that was attacked by a pack of rabid loath cats. <laughs> I, I mean, it's totally worth it. <laughs> oh, totally, right? Okay, that's <laughs> breaking that, news, breaking going, news. But like, it's going back to um, that whole force connection because mm-hmm. it's the world like fighting back against the empire. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Nature, like nature against industry. Yeah. Plus also it's an amazing imagery. Yeah. Yeah, it's like nature against industry. It's the force, like the planet, the force mm-hmm. fighting back against these um, imperial interlopers, I guess, Ooh, yep. who are literally destroying the planet. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's very George Lucasy too, because he that's what he was all about. Yeah. Ewoks oh, and yeah. like mm-hmm. the Wookiees going against the yeah. Empire with their wooden ships. Like he's all into that stuff. Yeah, which I can get behind. I mean, I love Fern Gully. <laughs> <laughs> but then it also goes back to um like Tolkien. He had oh, a whole yeah. mm-hmm. industry thing. So. I feel like that's also just kind of a common trope in fantasy. Maybe not in so, so much in, in sci-fi, but I don't think this is a sci-fi show anyways. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there is totally that I mean a space opera. Yeah. Exactly. Um but yeah, I, it it feels very transcendental like Kind of New England transcendentalism to me, which I like. What is that? I mean, again, I know what that is, but for our for our listeners, what is that? Just that you know, if there is a god, that it they exist in nature, oh. and that's where they they can be found. And, oh. 
that's where you have to be to similar to the force right that's where you have to be to experience mm. the force and possibly that's why the jedi who were trapped in you know the jedi temple on coruscant was a concrete jungle essentially and mm -hmm. so that's why the force wasn't as accessible or they weren't as honed into it right Cool. That's what I thought too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so the broadcast is interrupted by uh, the self-proclaimed senator in exile, Gaul Travis. Commission to parade. You heard the man. Raise your cups to Emperor. This is Senator in Exile, Gaul Travis. I bring more news the Empire doesn't want you to hear. I urge you to boycott all Empire Day celebrations to protest the ongoing injustices of the Imperial regime. Shut this off. Can't. It's the law. We're done here. Who tells people to boycott the celebrations, which actually is kind of a radical thing to do because it's evidently against the law to boycott Empire Day festivities. No. Yes. <laughs> All this stuff is very, very 1984. Like it feels like mm -hmm. remember that whole part where it's like the two minutes of hate each day, where they were just like, they would like whatever country they were going against, they would just for two minutes like just yell and shout and about how much they hated these things and yeah, like you really get them pumped up. I don't know. This whole thing just is super Orwell. Yeah, it's all built from you know historical precedent mm -hmm. in. China, uh, like communist China, communist uh, Russia, USSR, arguably from a non-American point of view, patriotic attitudes, like the whole yeah. pledge of the pledge of allegiance and stuff, and all of the drama that's been going on in America around that. No, that's true. I mean, what did you say about my country? Yeah, oh my god! I'm sorry. I love this sorry. place. Love it or leave it. These colors are wrong. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're not here, but love it or leave it either way. <laughs> no, I get it's totally true. And uh, as we get to the parade, um, there's some kind of interesting stuff about that, too. Um, I guess I never really thought about that, that I guess America is kind of uniquely like I've never really thought about the Pledge of Allegiance being kind of a uniquely American thing. Do we have to wake oh, yeah. up each each morning and talk about how much we love our country yeah i don't know if you know this but like someone knocks on our door every morning and like monitors us as we do the pledge of allegiance we have to say the pledge of allegiance yeah. into our video cameras every morning mm -hmm. it's being monitored yeah um so joe he says that the imperials are getting serious they notice there's a lot of active activity and they have implemented a full planetary blockade um, which will come into play in later episodes. Ooh. Mm -hmm. um, but Ezra's being all emo and he's all sad. <laughs> so he's like, I'm out of here. And he goes back to his tower, which by the way, I don't know if we've talked about this, but that's some nice real estate. How does he get that thing? The tower? Yeah. He's in like a yeah. sky rise on his own Yeah, with like miles of real estate. And yeah. no one's ever just like it's it's we've talked about it. it's in that abandoned hollow net comm tower. So it's like basically a cell phone tower oh, that's it? not being used anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But like <laughs> I guess I'm wondering like like the Imperials are going around like kicking all these farmers off their lands because <laughs> they need like to do stuff. Like why wouldn't they just take like the miles of open space that Ezra is occupying for his little hideout? Because Lothcats 
defend it i guess probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah maybe that's like one of the things we don't they don't address in here but you don't go into those open plains because there's packs of riled loth cats that are just tearing people apart <laughs> Would it change your mind about the empire if you found out they were like super, uh, like respectful of nature and animals and they're like, <laughs> the reason we're stealing farms is because we don't want to expand and destroy like this natural territory. That is a, a natural home to loath cats. But then would they be the empire anymore? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, they would not be. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I, I guess I would like them better if they weren't the evil imperial empire. <laughs> I'm just saying, those love cats are adorable. Um, so he goes back to his emo tower to be emo, and he hears his parents' voices through the force. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Ezra, mom. stand up for people in need, especially those in trouble with the Empire. Sibo, I know where he is. This is pre this is pre-ray. Yeah, but feel so here's things. It's calling calling to him slash her. What? Well, like I'm saying <laughs> the force is calling to Ezra slash Ray. Him oh, slash okay. her. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um <laughs> <laughs> cool all right um so after his little pity party we go to the parade the parade and so you see uh the back of a gold protocol droid here and uh you know what so yeah so i wrote that down in the notes yeah probably not c-3po no but it's not out of the question that it isn't c-3po because he was on Lothal. Yes. So he has been known to be in this parts. And technically, he is in the service of the Imperial Senate. And he does seem like a pretty loyal Imperial droid. Remember, like in the episode with C3PO, he snitched to the Empire where, Ooh, yeah, where the called, crew was? He called Callus. So he seems like a guy who'd be like, yay, a parade. <laughs> do, you think, do you think he'd like parades? He seems a little like this. This He's kind of like my nephew who's like three years old. He's like, oh, this is loud and there are too many people. I want to get away from here. Um, I think he would because he's lame and lame people like parades. Are you calling my nephew lame? Yep. Boom. <laughs> Man, you're you're kind of a bully, dude. <laughs> Wait, no, you said your nephew doesn't like parades. Yeah. Yeah, so he's cool. Oh. Lame people like parades. Oh. Cool people are too cool for parades. Got it. Cool people rebel and try to blow them up, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's just science, guys. Um, all right. So uh, the tie advanced, the very first version is this is its first. I guess the first canonical appearance, appearance if you're watching this or sequen- like sequentially, this is the first time you see well, it. Well, where else band. is it? Because it's, it's different than any of the original. Well, it's the first version, right? So later versions of the TIE Advance appear in, um, I want to say, and call me out if I'm wrong, Return of the Jedi. So Return of the Jedi, I know that tie interceptors there's tie interceptors are. tie bombers and i think they're tie advanced oh man I so i don't this know this i'm just gonna say because i've brought up this gripe before and it's i'm, I'm softening on it but one <laughs> of the things that kind of bugs me is like i was just watching scenes from 
Rogue One again. And there's like the shuttle that looks just like the Emperor's shuttle, but it has four wings instead of two wings on the bottom. And like mm. they keep introducing all these random ships into the new canon that were never in any of the original series. So it's like this this super I don't TIE think fighter. That's so bad because obviously I mean we see things where some of them I mean really my bag i don't really care just as long as you <laughs> yeah. know they're flying it's all good by me but um if like we have experimental stuff we have like locale specific stuff which we see a lot in both rebels and reg one yeah it's an issue if things are in the original trilogy or not and are appearing elsewhere or not because you know it's a whole galaxy mm-hmm. things aren't universal things get blown up <laughs> yeah. every day and they kind of run out of production lines so yeah i think that's why i'm softening a bit on it um i just i if they have this super advanced tie fighter it was weird to me that like you don't see it in any of the battles in the next couple of years like they just stop making them evidently but it could have been unstable it could have been a prototype yeah, maybe so- it's just hanging around lothal it's a big galaxy i think you're right so i think that's yeah. that's why i'm softening on so it so this but. is the tie advanced uh, v1 right yep so i was wrong the tie advanced x1 is the version you oh. see in a new hope oh. idiot god um wait do you have a picture of that i don't see that do you have a, do you have a picture of the x1 this is what the X one looks yeah, like. Yeah, the one. Oh, so that's Darth Vader's ship. Yeah, Darth oh, Vader's is okay. the X one. Cool. That that's makes what sense. I was thinking. So maybe this is the. I have no evidence that this is the precursor to that, but you know, oh, it might be V one version one. Play. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. X1. That makes sense. I don't know. Uh, so I looked up some of the things about this ship because I did. I do think it's cool. Um, it's heavily based off of the Sinar System Scimitar, which is Darth Maul's ship. It looks pretty similar, Ooh. except for Darth Maul's ship has, like, a long nose. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Is that ship terms? I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. Um, the outside <laughs> solar panels that are usually seen on a tie, which I actually didn't Great. even know these were solar panels. The black things on the wings. Really care about energy. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, so that's why, like, I guess TIE fighters run on solar energy. <laughs> they're very green. Hmm. Um, they don't have fuel. Okay. Um, so maybe that's why they have limited range, but that's also part of why they're kind of weak is because they don't have armor on their wings. Mm. Yeah. And they don't have shields either. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Um, so this tie advance has the solar panels on the inside. So this is basically a Prius. This is what you're well, telling all me. All tie fighters are basically Priuses. This is <laughs> that's why they're so easy to take. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but this one's a little different because you'll notice the black part is on the inside of the wing not the outside of the wing and so this one has armor but how would what's the if they're solar panels why are they on the inside don't they need to be on the outside to work yep so that's why this 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 tie fighter runs on fuel which is one of the only ones <gasps> that runs on fuel wow so this My is God. like the f-150 of the tie fleet wow yep um this one has basic shields, a hyperdrive, and can launch a warhead. So uh, that <laughs> oh also makes it special. <laughs> um, and we see later it has S foils, like a yep. like a X wing, because you see it later. It's like mm-hmm. folded up like a little pancake, I guess, or sandwich. I don't know <laughs> how to describe it. <laughs> it's the only so wait. You're trying to figure out how to describe it, and the only way you can describe it is through food. Well, I'm a little hungry. Uh, well, the Millennium Falcon's <laughs> The burgers, so yeah, you know. <laughs> right. 
don't know, maybe. It's like a panini, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in my head, what I was picturing is like when you're, I was literally picturing a panini when you squ- squish it down. <laughs> That's what I thought of with the TIE fighter because you squish down the wings. <laughs> um, so. I love the pilot's name, too. Yeah, we've seen this guy before. His name's Baron Valent Rudor. And he gets like all this praise in the series, but like, who is he? He has no history. He doesn't do anything. Like even in the parade, it's like he's this pilot is this is gonna be piloted by Baron von Rudor. Who cares? Who is this dude? It's just some guy. I think isn't this as well the last time that we see him for like two seasons? Probably. I don't even know. I think it is because he 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 surfaces later. Hmm. I don't think we see him again after Empire Day. So maybe that's what we call a tease. Good one. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be, it's, do you think his name is supposed to be reminiscent of the Red Baron? <laughs> Probably. But that's part of, I guess that's part of my frustration is like, why do you have such a cool name and then don't do anything? So I would expect him to be a little more of a badass, but whatever. So uh, the Rebels distraction of the crowd. Actually, I feel like this is one of the better distraction methods they have used because they've been they've been using distraction methods in previous episodes that have been really bad. Like <laughs> throw a rock over there, and then a stormtrooper goes like, "Oh, what's that?" I guess it worked. One of the dopey stormtroopers. Yeah. But this is one of the more convincing distractions that like like light off some fireworks, and everyone like th- just assumes it's because of the parade and looks at the fireworks. That seems like an actual good distraction. Yeah, and I like that it showcases showcases Sabine's talents. Mm, great, like she's really mm. good at making things explode. Yeah, but like artistically. Yeah, totally. It is mm. quite beautiful. <laughs> uh, I wanted her to do my next birthday. You want her to blow up your birthday? <laughs> no, <laughs> I want her to Gandalf my birthday. <laughs> Got it. So Callus and the Inquisitor show up next. And um, I love that Zeb is about to shoot Callus, and it's like this. The shot is really funny because it's like POV, like from Zeb's point of view, like <laughs> about to shoot. And in walks Kanan, and is like, "If you're gonna shoot someone, shoot th- shoot him." And he like <laughs> redirects him to shoot the Inquisitor, and he misses, of course. Well, he doesn't miss. The Inquisitor dodges it. But uh, he yeah. doesn't even really dodge it. He kind of misses he like moves his head. Yeah, he like, kind of moves his head a little. That's what I was wondering. Well, there's two issues I had with this. First of all, it seemed like a really bad shot because he like like went way over his head and hit the Tie Fighter behind him. <laughs> and then secondly, like in all this chaos, they wouldn't have known that like who blew up the Tie Fighter. But then once Zeb starts taking shots at the Inquisitor, it's very easy to be like. Oh, that's the guy who blew up our TIE fighter and then everyone's chasing them now. If they would have just like went back to Ezra's place, it would have just blown over. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Why blow up the TIE fighter and then start shooting into an open crowd? Yeah. That seems a little weird. But then it's also, you know, you've got an opportunity to take a shot. It's a bad shot. They fail miserably, but it's that sort of like, oh, I've got to kill him. Got to kill him. Yep. Failed. I wonder if he had to, he went through like a Dietrich Bonhoeffer like moralistic <laughs> thing before shooting him. Like, is, is, <laughs> maybe <laughs> I think that's a bit of a stretch. I don't know. He seems like a deep guy. Um, that, this brings up something that I think is really interesting: is that we've all, we've had these debates. Like, it's always like the, the clerk spit debate. Like, how many families were on the Death Star that the Rebel <laughs> Rebel Alliance blew up? 
the new EU seems to really be leaning into yeah. the rebellion's tendencies to be terrorists. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think it's pretty interesting. And uh, I lost stars. They're really because the story is told from the point of view yeah. of an imperial. And they talk so much about how these people are just terrorists and they just want to kill people. And it's all about like disrupting order. And like, you really think about it. We're rooting for our heroes right now after they just set off a bomb in the middle of a parade and then just started shooting into the parade. Like, you know, no one got hurt somehow, but. But I think something that the new canon is exploring is those like, there's layers of freedom fighting. Cause we've yeah. got, yeah. cause yeah, we're seeing them just outright causing chaos but there's different layers because you know in rogue one we've got so Guerrero, we've got cassian but we've also got like mon mothma and the politicians in totally. rebels we've got um our crew and there's that point that tarkin brings up but where the fact that civilians aren't harmed they do try not to kill civilians mm-hmm. whereas others are not so scrupulous about that so that's how you kind of identify who is fighting and then we oh. see more cells with you know um other approaches because we've got um uh yeah there's saw Guerrero's gang there's yeah. the free ryloth people who are all far uh-huh. more extreme <laughs> yeah it yeah. seems like all these different layers and different approaches and it's all shades of gray because you know totally they're all causing this chaos but the empress you know they're just trying to make the trains run on time guys <laughs> yeah well it, it's have are you reading the uh do you keep up with the comics that are coming out right now no, I lost track about a year ago, okay. and so I'm way behind. Uh, one of the comics that just came out, actually, Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie go to Jeddah to kind of where the 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 remnants of uh, you know Saw Gerrera's base and all this that happened. And, oh, this uh, is Kieran Gillen's run, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And uh, they meet up with some of the survivors of Saw Gerrera's group, and they're actually between the two having similar conversations about what the rebellion huh. is and how far to take it and exactly what you're talking about, these different layers of kind of involvement or, you know, activism. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It's, it is because it's like, where is the line? Is there a line on how far is too far? Do you ever cross that? Why do you cross that? And then if you cross that, where does that leave you? Like, does that leave you on the side of good? because yeah. of what you're trying to achieve yeah. does that put you over the other side and i think that's what they're exploring hard in the canon overall yeah. especially in rebels as it progresses you know it gets into this stuff yeah and i really like that dynamic um in the after show for this episode dave filoni actually says that you know our rebels purposely blow up this tie fighter but don't want to hurt anybody um, so I think that's really important. You gotta, we, it, you can't really root for them if they're being more mm. careless. So I like the idea that they're being direct and they're being um, purposeful about their targets. Yeah. And yeah, that's important. So it brings up some pretty interesting things for a kid's show, which yeah, yep. Um, something we skipped over to elevate the conversation into an even further academic place. I like that Kanan acts like a total pothead and goes, whoa, <laughs> check out these fireworks. Yeah. And like, 
that was and then Ezra runs along and he's like oh dad <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that was funny too uh, I think that's so funny yeah. that Kanan just totally leans into his goatee and just uses it <laughs> I also didn't notice I don't know if they did any sort of modeling or anything but in the scene where Zeb is about to shoot the Inquisitor he does like this glare and he looks v- very much like Jason Isaacs Ah, like his face, mostly in the chin and mouth. I oh. wonder if they. Oh, kind of, really? Yeah, I wonder if they took his face, like a face scan, and put that into the Inquisitor. I think bit. what I've heard is that what they do a lot is they film them whilst they're recording the lines, oh. and then they just borrow like a lot of their mannerisms and expressions when they're doing the animation, rather than actually explicitly face scanning. Yeah, that's a, that might be exactly what it is because I mean he is a white alien. That has markings <laughs> on his face so i mean he probably doesn't look that much but i probably recognize like the mannerism you've seen, you've yeah. seen Lu- lucius come through yeah i've i've studied a lot of harry potter so <laughs> i really connect with that he is you know everything yeah. <laughs> i can't wait for the crossover comics harry potter and stuff <laughs> it's not a thing is it i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> somewhere somewhere out there so we're going back, they're running away, and Ezra says he has a place to hide out. Yeah. Um, so they go back to Ezra's old home. There. All uh, Aladdin. Yep. Another Aladdin parallel. <laughs> um, we've been we've been finding they? all these parallels between Ezra and Aladdin. And I mean, I they're both street rats. Yeah. Both rats, street rat, right? They steal hair. a sit to survive. They've got a heart of gold. Yeah. They both have genius. So when is Ezra gonna sting? You know? <laughs> Jump ahead of the man. Angle, take another shrimp block. So they go in on, and they find Sibo, who is yeah. the Rodian that the Empire is looking for, and who happens to be buddies with Ezra's parents. And apparently, he's wearing Lobot's headset. That's an imperial warning declaring this building off limits. What is this place? You were coming here today. This was your home, wasn't it? Where you grew up. I grew up on the streets, alone. Then why here? Why now? Had this feeling. Sibo, it's me, Ezra Bridger. <laughs> yeah, which I looked into this. It's I I have no idea how to pronounce this. Uh, um, it's the AJ and then a little carrot symbol going up. Here, look, look, look at this. Okay. What what is what is that symbol? Where? Oh, A to the power of the, I think yeah. that means raised to the, like the sixth like uh it's like in math it's like yeah. when you do like this to the power <laughs> of that aj to the power of six let's just call it aj to the power of six yeah cool. <laughs> so that's what it that's what it is is the aj to the power of six <laughs> cyborg construct is that headset that lobot wears and sibo has one on there too hmm. so it's a cybernetic computer interface um so we were talking about invasive systems I looked into how it was put in and it like they drill holes in yeah. your head 
and it like goes into your brain and interfaces with your brain. Um, there was an old EU, maybe it was Dark Horse that did the comic on Lobot, and they did like a really. I remember seeing, or maybe it was just someone's drawings. <laughs> or maybe I just drew them, uh, but I remember seeing all of these like detailed, like how Lobot's uh, headset was like implanted yeah. like, directly into his his brain. But for Lobot, at least, it was partially to save his life. I'm guessing that's not the situation with Sibo. Well, at no. this point, um, Sabine says that it's it's new, it's experiment. I think she says it's experimental, does yeah. she? Or well, she says that she certainly says that it's new and something that they're trying out, but it's not compulsory. So he volunteered to have oh, this done to himself. I, I totally yeah. missed that. Yeah, he yeah. Did. And I thought that I mean, I, there's some more evidence to that where he says like my because they do it to increase productive productivity, and he says like my productivity has been increased by twelve percent. But when I was looking at this, Lobot's productivity was increased like 200 times or something like that. So this is probably an earlier prototype yeah. than the one Lobot mm, has a little right more here. advanced. Mm. And that also makes sense because Lobot, if, you, if you've read the Lando comics... Yeah. I read the first few. <laughs> yeah. I actually did the same thing. I read the first two and I was like, eh, not for me. But then I, I revisited it later. Um, but Lobot has like a ton of personality. It's really weird. He's like, Hey, what's up, buddy? We're best friends. And they're yeah. like, they're like hanging out on a ship together. Um, whereas this cybernetic implant, it says it wipes away his personality. So that's why Sibo's kind of bumping into walls and <laughs> speaking huddies so and weird. just like acting like a weirdo because evidently it kind of lobotomizes him. That's the Rodian the Imperials are hunting. You know him? The name's Sibo, a friend of my parents. But something's wrong. What's that thing on his head? Empire's been known to implant lower-level technicians with cybernetic circuits. Personality sacrificed for productivity. Sibo's productivity is 19% higher than average Imperial data worker. Sibo went to work for the Imperial Information Office after the Empire took my parents away. Ooh. Yeah, and he's also it gives him what is it? It gives him full access to like the imperial databases, so his brain's yep. just overloaded with information. So he's just constantly spewing out. Totally. Which is obviously yeah. why he volunteered to do it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I know you probably don't know the translation of Republic credits, but about how much do you think this would cost? Like. Compare it to something in the Star Wars universe. Like, for the price of this cybernetic implant, you could buy... What do you think? I'm going to say land speeder. Nah, something more like a good freighter of some size. Mm, wow. Okay, so you guys are you guys are actually... I was really shocked when I saw this. So, it costs 80,000 credits for the headset and $70,000 for the surgery. So in comparison, a new TIE fighter costs sixty thousand dollars. Oh my god! So you can almost buy two TIE fighters for the price of getting this thing put on your head. I would just get two TIE fighters every time. Yeah, <laughs> and make them fight each other. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> huh. All right. Yeah. Well, this is a really uh, right. The, right when I saw, I don't know. This was like a weirdly dark scene when they go into Ezra's old home and open this, open this hatch, and Sibo is just curled up in a ball at the bottom of it <laughs> i was like oh my god he's like shaking and shivering yeah it's totally like gone to crime but you know it's the 
is that imperial interloping thing made you know mm-hmm. personal yeah this is ezra you know ezra's had his life destroyed by the empire you know his parents were taken away but that was all everything removed and then in his face in his home is this person who has literally been torn apart by the empire in a way totally. yeah um, so it doesn't brighten his mood. Yeah. Because of that exact question, that exact thing you just said. <laughs> and Sibo, using his infinite knowledge, lets the crew in on a little secret that it's Ezra's yeah. birthday. Aww. And so he's sad on his birthday. Aww. But he got his friend back. I know. Yeah, I know. You'd think he'd be a little more happy. He got a gift. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <He's-> <laughs> Um, so instead he goes into his little hidey hole. I'm just going to go listen to Bonnie very over here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he hears more voices. Yeah. So he hears through the force a conversation between his parents and Zebo. The risk you bridgers take. Zebo say you must think of your son. He's all we think about. We're teaching Ezra to stand up for people in need. We're fighting for our son's freedom. Zebo not fight battle. Zebo no cannot be won. Yeah. Okay, so you think that's... I mean, it has to be. You think it's through the force that he's able to listen to this conversation? It's not like a... Yeah, which seems weird. You don't think it's like... A memory being triggered or something you think it's like the force is actually manifesting a conversation it's probably a combination yeah i didn't Maybe. really think about like, that the, 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 it's like triggering a memory through the force yeah it feels it feels like very much like a video game like you stumbled <laughs> onto a memory yeah you <laughs> this is probably a hard question to answer off the bat but do you know how old Ezra was when his parents yeah, disappeared. Um, it was seven because it was seven? eight. It was yeah, it was seven because it was eight years ago, right? So that means he's probably old enough to remember these conversations. So it might have just been like a yeah, he has memory. memories of his parents and okay. he, he talks about his parents later and in, yeah, he knows about their um their radio. secret broadcasts and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, they also had a podcast. See, <laughs> both being like, hey guys, don't do that. Okay, so so. Are we saying the first time he hears the voice is the force and this time was just a memory or I think a little bit of both. both. Okay. I think it's a balance each time. I think it's memories being heightened by, yeah, I don't know. It's like adrenaline. Metachlorians are just kicking in. (laughs) (laughs) So here's another thing I thought that was kind of interesting is SIBO was kind of, is kind of projecting like all the empire secrets he has. So everyone can see him. And Sabine notices that they have a five-year, the Empire has a five-year plan for Lothal and the rest of the Outer Rim territories. (laughs) What are we looking at? It's, well, it's everything. Imperial specs on the new ties and new T8 disruptors, schedules of troop movements, tactics and strategies. Half of it's encrypted, but it looks like there's a five-year plan for Lothal. Every other world in the Outer Rim. No wonder his brain's shorting out. All that data to overload anyone. Which five years from now in the show would be right after the Death Star was completed. Yeah, so... So their five-year plan is just to build a Death Star and scare everyone and blow up a bunch of planets? Or is the five-year plan to blow up Lothal? Maybe. So that's, I, don't, I, don't actually, I don't know why that would be... But I would assume... 
given because we were talking about the the new EU and it's very mm-hmm. much a lot of this of imperial strip mining and industrialization. So yeah, it's them escalating to presumably assist on um, hmm. the Death Star to get crystals mm-hmm. to them to get more Sinar ships out there. You know, just to boost everything and leave an empty husk behind because yeah. they don't need it anymore. Totally. Yeah. Which kind of which takes place if if you've read that New Dawn book. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of that, right? Of that the very invasive mining that uh destroys planets. I think there was a similar was there a similar like three year plan for there? Yeah, for um, Cinda, was, I think that planet was called. Yeah. Yeah, which is obviously very Stalinist. Yeah. Huge yeah. production. <laughs> Um, I always think about that. Like, Did you I, just say yay? <laughs> to stop. <laughs> yay. <laughs> you know, we like a good plan. <laughs> um, so I like, I, I think about this a lot. Like, what was the Empire's end goal? Like, if the rebellion never happened or the rebellion never blew up the first Death Star, like, were they just gonna Absolute chill like power. a giant? Yeah, yeah. But like, are they just gonna fly around like a Death Star every once in a while? Like, you'll just well, like, look outside and there'll be a scary mm-hmm. ship yeah. outside your house, yeah. and you'll be like, "Oh shit!" It's like surprise. <laughs> I, I mean, I might be giving them too much credit, but I think they're thinking like, we only have to use it a couple times, and that'll freak everyone out enough to like hold power. I don't think the plan is yeah. like, you know, just go around. But then. I don't. I mean, I don't really know legends. I read Out of the Empire when I was eight, and that was kind yeah, of me done and dusted. But isn't there this whole like expansion plan beyond the known galaxy? Huh. Interesting. I, isn't that something? Isn't Thrawn tied up? Wasn't he tied up with like going out to wild space? I really don't know because I don't <laughs> care. I, I haven't read um, it in a very long time. I think I remember them hiding out in wild space because it was after like the battle of Yavin and is after the empire kind of fell, but I don't really remember. I think you can, mm. we'll look into that. Yeah. Old, the old EU. Yeah. I've, I'm not, I'm not super familiar with cause it was, it was, there was so much of it. I remember I, I really liked the Han Solo books and the Lando books and yeah. But besides that, well, one thing that I thought, because we have talked about how the Empire really wants to bring the Outer Rim under control, and it's notoriously hard to police them. So they, you know, uh, what's his name? Will Huff Tarkin <laughs> Will Huff. is, uh, is <laughs> technically the governor of the Outer Rim, but yeah. like he doesn't actually rule it because they're too hard to control. So yeah. I bet part of their five-year plan is just let's go blow up a couple planets. We, and we'll get them under control. We compare it. We're here in California and we're in the Bay Area near San Francisco. We compare it to trying to police Sacramento, which is our capital, but it's super shitty. No one goes there. <laughs> okay. Do you have a, do you have a, uh, a likening where you're at? Uh, uh, Croydon. I don't know. <laughs> we just want you to talk crap about your yeah. fellow Brits. <laughs> Brits. I mean, I live in England. I'm from Scotland. I live in England. That's kind of, you know, I'm basically in the outer room as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> as it is, might as well be like, I mean, we've got Theresa May. She's like basically a hut. Oh my God. I did not just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, so 
We're getting toward the end. <laughs> um, they escape some pe- they need they decide they need to get Sibo out of the situation because he has all the Imperial secrets. Yep. So they steal a troop transport. One of their awesome plans to steal this transport is just to shoot an unsuspecting stormtrooper in the chest and kill him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, and at that range, that's, I think you can just technically call that an execution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. So they uh, grab this transport and they just, there's a barricade on the edge of the city and what's, which one is that? Grint or Resco? Uh, I think that's a Resco. The one who looks like Edgar Allan Poe. Kind of, yeah. I mean, he's the skinny one with gray eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is barricading the roads, and I like how Sabine's like, I just, I'm not slowing down, and she just barrels through it. Well, they both have awful plans, because their plan is to set up a roadblock where they, it seems like, expect them just to slow down. Yeah, totally. And the Rebels' plan is just drive fast. So, they're two, <laughs> they're two poor plans, and one of them has to win out, so... They get away. Their brilliant plan works. I do want to say I something I noticed is when they shot that stormtrooper to take this, it was the first time I can remember in Rebels there being like a physical mark left on a stormtrooper after they were shot. If you noticed that, yeah, it I left like notice. a black yeah, mark. And I was like, oh, whoa, that's the first time. Is that I the first time? I, to me, it's the first time I can remember seeing that because it's just like this... I think they try to steer away from that because it's a kid's show and it's kind of like with that like black mark, I don't know, it almost seems like he really died and I think they're trying <laughs> like I think they're trying to, you know, kind of stay away from that a little bit. So I, I kind of, I have such mixed feelings about when they do that because it's a kid's show because I feel like you should show the consequences of yeah. What they're doing like yeah they're the good guys but they are shooting bad guys so yeah yeah that. it's like in um the film spin chronicles of narnia one of the kids like decapitates a dude and there's like there's, there's no blood there's just an empty helmet and it's like okay. <laughs> that's awesome so like he just knocked the helmet off his entire body you know, kids shouldn't be completely sheltered. They're not. They should understand these things. You know, life and death. And yeah, if you cut someone's head off, it's going to be gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Mountains um, of blood. <laughs> I, guess, I would I love guess this the, so much more. I guess the argument that's always been employed <laughs> with blasters and lightsabers that like immediately cauterizes whatever wound it creates. So that's why there's no blood. Yeah, that's what I've always. But then heard. it's not that it needs to show blood because I'm I'm perfectly happy that there's no blood, um, except for in that one random scene in, in the cantina <laughs> in A New yeah. Hope. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just like yeah, like char marks and just you know physical yeah. Yeah. indications. Yeah. Well, in Force Awakens, it's so shocking when in the beginning there's that firefight and Finn like looks up and there's blood smeared across his face from the stormtrooper who died. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, they bleed. That's like really <laughs> profound for some reason. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And I remember there's a Clone Wars episode and I'll never forget. I'll forget. I don't remember like what episode it is or anything, but oh, I remember so this you, specific so scene. <laughs> well, I remember this specific scene where Ahsoka is like tied up by a bunch of Mandalorians and they're surrounding her oh, yeah. and she like force grabs her lightsabers and just spins around and cuts off like three people's heads and you see their bodies like slink down 
And you're just like, yeah. dude, you just decapitated three people on this show. Huh. And it's Ahsoka. She's adorable. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, uh, that Clone Wars scene where Ventress just stabs a clone and he just, uh, like, slides along her lightsaber and she kisses him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's so bad. Iconic <laughs> queen. Yeah, bad, like, in a Michael Jackson way, because she's bad as hell. What? Bad, like, good. Oh. Yeah. Oh, because it's a cool word. Yeah, it's a cool word. <laughs> it's like, like wizard. Wizard. <laughs> um, so... Wizard! <laughs> and... Callus is jumped onto their transport. Chopper blew up the other transport that was pursuing him, and he does he he mugs for the camera again. He does this a lot. His like head spins around, and so then he like good. throws up the guns. Yeah, like, he flexes. Flex. <laughs> Chopper, it's awesome. Um, and then the ghost flies in, scoops everyone up. Kanan and Callus have a little bit of a duel before he does like a super force jump, you know, into the mega. ship. Um, and then they fly away. Yeah. But the Inquisitor is yeah. not far behind. Pursuing him. And you put, this, you put this note in, but dibs, the Inquisitor, <laughs> Inquisitor's helmet is so cool. It's so metal. It's, it's almost, awesome. It's almost reminiscent of Kylo Ren's. Like it has like, it's very inverted triangular. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, um, shared concept art and stuff from the force awakens so mm-hmm. yeah although i guess this might have been too early for that because they used obviously um an unused design for fifth brother in season two so i oh, wonder yeah. if maybe they borrowed something for the inquisitor yeah and Probably. yeah and, and so many of them come from ralph mccory's concept so i would not be surprised if this was one of his brain one of his uh yeah, yeah, something he designed for the original movies and never used. They like to use a lot of that stuff in Rebels. <laughs> and then at the conclusion, they're still being pursued and the ghost is being shot at. Um, and Sibo gets knocked in the head and suddenly <laughs> like becomes like lucid, which yeah. is cool. Like if your friend's talking dumb, just like hit him in the head and he'll probably start <laughs> normal. Um, and he says he knows what happened to Ezra's parents. Dun dun dun! Great ending. That's to be continued. Yeah. Oh my god! What will happen? <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, overall impressions and feelings on the episode. Uh. So we do this scale system, where we rate the episode based on what we think is the worst and best thing in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so Peter, why don't you give us an example of what the scale sounds like? Yeah. So for my grade, uh, as we all know, my scale is from Jar Jar Binks being farted on by an EOP and going Piusa, uh, to Luke and Vader's duel in Return of the Jedi. Uh, I give this episode <laughs> Maz Kanata's castle, which is about a B. And the reason I did it is because it's got a fun bar scene. It's got force voices from dead people and a whiny emo kid who's in love with a girl that's cooler than him. <laughs> Great. That's yeah. it's like very thoughtful, actually. All right. So my scale uh, is on a scale of C-3PO was created by Anakin Skywalker, which is awful, to Luke staring into the binary 
um, Sunsets on Tatooine while John Williams' binary sunset theme plays, which is the most magical thing ever. I'm going to say that this episode is like a uh, a Zam Wessel trying to assassinate <laughs> Princess Amidala, which the grade translation there would be something like a B. It's like, I really like that scene. It doesn't necessarily progress the story mm-hmm. too far. Um, well, I guess actually it does. This this episode. It's a groundwork episode. There's a lot of stuff sort of laid out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot of universe building. Yeah. So we're, we're getting ready for something, but it's not happening quite yet. So yeah, a B for me. Nice. Zena, do you have a, do you have a grade? I can try. Hey, yeah, we're, 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 we're putting you on the spot. Oh God, um, I'm going to keep it rebels because that's what we're talking about. So, from a scale of Ezra's hair, which is awful, uh, <laughs> to Hera outflying Vader, which is Ooh. great. Ooh, uh, I say one. this episode is about uh, Callus's smirk. <laughs> and his smirk. Uh, yeah. You know, like there's yeah. a lot in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's probably like a, a B, B plus. Okay. It's a solid episode. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, Before we let you go, uh, do you want to shout out your Twitter and your Instagram and anything else that you want people to check out? Uh, So you can find me on Instagram at uh, at poetry in costume, one word, or on Instagram at xenodd. Um, Those are my two main haunts. You follow all my cosplay work. Anything else? Awesome. Seriously, check it out. It's really, really cool stuff. Yeah, and any plans on coming stateside for any any costume-related things in the future? Possibly. Um, I am hoping to come out next year for some research. I'm currently doing my master's on fashion cultures. Wow. Ooh. Specializing in film. So I'm doing my thesis on the rebellion in Star Wars. Um, so yeah, hoping to come over sometime next year. Nice. That is awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Cool. Well, keep an eye out and for her master's thesis, for her master's thesis, (laughs) uh, check her out on all the social medias and thank you again for doing this. It's super fun. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Ready to bust out your shovels? Because we're going deep. Oh, okay. I was wondering where it's going. Good. Nice. We're doing a deep dive today on Empire Day. Hmm. So we've talked about Empire Day before a little bit. So it was the day that Sheev Palpatine implemented the proclamation of the New Order, which declared the Jedi enemy enemies of the state and ordered the Galactic Republic into the First Galactic Empire with himself as the emperor. The proclamation was met with widespread support in the Senate, with a few notable detractors, including Padme Amidala and Bail Organa, but not Jar Jar Binks, because this whole thing is his fault. This is true. Yep. Um, From then on, Empire Day was celebrated yearly, generally celebrated with a parade, and they would play an excerpt of the speech that Sheev made on the day that the empire was formed, Although his doctor to make him look younger and not messed up in the face. Mm. So he exudes 
unlimited power. Classic tyrant move. Yep. Um, attendance to the festivities was mandatory. Mm, like a true Those dictator. Against the law to not go. Mm-hmm. Like all my birthday parties. <laughs> um, the holiday also had an official theme song called Glory to the Empire. And it sounds like... Yep. Um, so it's actually the anthem of the Galactic Empire. Um, so I want to play that for you and Why? see how you feel. I thought I just did, but go for it. The Ricky bus is coming. <laughs> Ricky Lake. Wow. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, so it's like um it's an upbeat version of the Imperial March that was written by Kevin Kynear, who is the composer for all of the Clone Wars and Rebels. I could have written this song and just speed up the other one. Well it's like more like in a yeah. major key. Yeah. Like, it has the marchy feel. Yeah, there's a little jammy section right here. Mm, put my jammies on. But yeah, I like this part. Yeah, I'm your emperor, girl. (laughs) See, I thought this was interesting because it's the Imperial March, evidently, but canonically speaking, it's the national anthem of the Empire. I said, who loves the emperor? (laughs) Yeah, you love the emperor, girl. All right, we're done. Okay, sorry. Great song. (laughs) I was real into that. I know, it's pretty sweet, right? So we actually hear this song in the episode during the parade. Um, I also found some fun stuff. I don't think this is canon, but there's an MMORPG called Star Wars Galaxies. So mm-hmm. if you don't know what that is, that's basically like World of Warcraft. It's a big online game. It doesn't exist anymore, but they had a one-day event to celebrate Empire Day where a large statue of Sheev was erected on Theed, on Naboo, because mm-hmm. that's where he's from. Mm-hmm. And Darth Vader gave a speech about what Empire Day means, which a speech from Darth Vader. <laughs> what Empire Day means to me by, by Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. I love that visual. Um, they also sold special Empire Day snacks, including Order 66 cookies. Come on. And Gracious Government Mix, which were chocolates shaped like Star Destroyers, Stormtrooper helmets, Darth Vader's head, and were said to be Sheev's favorite snack. <sighs> <laughs> so yeah it. i don't think it's canon but that made me laugh <laughs> but i wish it was um behind the scenes this is kind of interesting so the actual term empire day was derived from a holiday in the united kingdom so it was a real holiday that celebrated the british empire's formation and the remembrance of queen victoria's birthday hmm. so she died in 1901 so in 1902 they celebrated empire day on the day that would have been her birthday i just saw that victoria and abdul movie oh it's moving Mm, nice that's all cool um so it stopped being celebrated in 1958 but there was a clever lucasfilm promoter who decided to revive the term for the launch of empire strikes back in 1980 Hmm. um so what they did was they scheduled the London premiere on what would have been Empire Day on the same day 
and they had stormtroopers and imperial officers parade through the streets of london <laughs> oh sorry i thought that would help the visual no thanks no keep going so they had stormtroopers going through the streets handing out pins and buttons that say um that say happy empire day they say happy empire day <laughs> And it actually became like a huge hit. So like it was on the front page of newspapers and Empire Day became hip again. Now it's transformed into Commonwealth Day, but I don't think it's very widely celebrated. Here's a picture of what this looked like in 1980. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. There's like a stormtrooper hanging out of a Jeep with like a like a protest sign that has Darth Vader's face on it and says happy Empire Day. Amazing. So, if you're a collector, a bunch of collectors still have that logo on shirts and stuff, but many people don't know its origins. Hmm. Cool. Yep, so that's the origin. Thanks, Pete. Consider yourself origined. Huh. <laughs> this is a big origin. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what that means. All right, well, um, so we usually do character portraits, but I thought um, I would take a chance to take this opportunity to take a chance and kind of take go a back. Take on me. Take a chance on me. Uh, kind of go back and talk about um, something that I brought up on the very first episode, which was Empire Day, uh, which is Ezra's birthday. Um, okay, <clears throat> so this is going to be a little bit of a rant, so hang on. Uh-huh. Hang on to your butts. <clears throat> Hang on to your butts. So I'm attacking my previous position on Ezra's narratively convenient birth date. Um, so as of now, I think I'm a little more willing to admit that the idea that Ezra was born on Empire Day is potentially more than a convenient plot point. Or as I had expressed on our first episode, awfully coincidental, if not silly. Mm. So there's a pretty good in-universe theory that I can get behind the more I research it on my own, and it goes something like this. So the birth of Force-sensitive beings is a possible product of the following. One, the death of many Jedi, which caused an ebb in the Force that potentially needed to be filled by sentient beings. For where does the displaced living Force migrate once forcibly evicted? Mm. Um, Two, an anniversary celebration of tragedy, the effects of which modern psychologists may call the anniversary effect. Um, Is that like a real thing? Yeah, that's a real thing um, that can trigger trauma. Um, Three, um, of the annual celebratory execution of anti-imperial force users, and four, of the unstable times they were living in. So all of these factors can possibly culminate in such a way that induces labor for many pregnant beings, stay with me, (laughs) carrying force-sensitive children, which is the cause of so many... births on and around empire day like ezra luke and leia in short the ebb in the force and the effects of this traumatic day and the times induced labor okay so i know this is a little wild sounding so i'm going to get into a little bit of the science behind it okay so i'm poorly summarizing some medical evidence here and i'm not a doctor 
yet, <laughs> but here's what I've uncovered in some of my half-baked research. Doctor of love, maybe? Maybe. Um, there's considerable amount of empirical evidence that suggests, uh, that supports the theory that adrenaline and or stress can prematurely kickstart Braxton Hicks. So in a stressful time, say a war, maybe even a clone war, <laughs> there may be considerable amounts of preterm births. That doesn't seem too outrageous to me. But if we add in some of the metachlorian theories, which Qui-Gon fervently mm-hmm. defended, and which Lucas has gone on record as saying um, that may be one of just Qui-Gon's deeply held theories, but is nevertheless still existent in the Star Wars universe, um, though because of Lucas's comment leaves me hopefully unsure of how it's connected in a cause and effect sort of way to the force yeah. ability, is a part of the equation. So, for just as old Ben Kenobi felt the disturbance in the Force when Alderaan was destroyed, and all of the living Jedi throughout Order 66 could be visibly seen experiencing the loss of life in Episode 3, perhaps the unborn children of the Force, far enough into their development to possess metachlorians, were similarly impacted in utero and were born prematurely. Okay. So additionally, let's not forget how the parents, <laughs> I'm really going on right here, no, par- parents of these unborn force-sensitive children who similarly felt the effects of the purge are affected as the force seems to be largely hereditary. So mothers and children are feeling this disturbance together, compounding into, I'm going to ta- I'm going to coin a new term here, force births. TM. <laughs> <laughs> um so as eventually Luke and other force crusaders start looking for force sensitive children, my guess is that they will find an inordinate amount of force wielders born on and around empire day because of all those factors I've listed. Maybe you've heard that old tale that the best hockey players are born in January and February. Well, this is kind of I like, have not. <laughs> this is like the force version of that. Cool. The best Jedi are born around empire day and often prematurely. <laughs> So I'm getting towards the end here. It seems that many great force wielders, good and bad, are born on days of significance to Mm. further support this theory. So days where either traumatic, stressful, or force-affected things are going on, like the force is inordinately being sucked away Mm. or implemented. For example, example, Kylo Ren was born on the day of the galactic concordance, uh, the day that that was signed between the New Republic and the Galactic Empire. Oh, interesting. Um, and finally, this also begs the question of Anakin Skywalker's birth, uh, which um, we all know he was immaculately conceived. Um, but I remember in the now termed Legends universe uh-huh. that Darth Plagueis, along with Darth Sidious, may have been responsible for impregnating Shmi with Plagueis <laughs> and I know I know it sounds silly when Plagueis after successfully resurrecting Darth Venomous who was a Bith decided to test his powers and stretched out to Metachlorians throughout the galaxy in hopes of gaining dominance over them but the force resisted it rejected him and his efforts and in reaction Metachlorians acted on their own accord and conceived a child within Shmi Skywalker so that's that's old. That's legend stuff yeah. now. But that was the story of where Anakin came from. Um, so basically, all this to say that Ezra's birth on Empire Day may be more than just coincidental. It mm. could be the effects of the Force, of trauma, of stress, 
um, of all of that. So um, that's yep. my, uh, so I can get behind it a little more as more than just convenient. Yeah. And you've mentioned this before, but Luke and Leah were born on Empire Day, right? Uh, two days after. Two days after. Yeah. So they, a lot of people are born around Empire Day. And I would be curious to see how many other people, Force users, are born in and around. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, so that's my rant. Thanks. And thank you, everyone out there. Um, uh, thank you. Special thanks to our guest today. Yep. Zena Duncan. She killed it. Killed, killed it. Um, and you know where to find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Rebels Rebels Pod, or you can email us at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com. Um, you can tell us what you think about that rant. And until next time, be brave out there and don't look back. <laughs> don't look back. Bye. See ya.